Come on down. It's Mammonburg, the city, the town, the whatever the fuck it is. I don't know. We kind of haven't decided in the lore. The lore, everybody. Folks, the lore. Come on down to Mammonburg where we have wonderful scenic sights, wonderful scenic sights, folks, wonderful scenic sights. I went down and I saw a man drown and it was beautiful. It was the most beautiful. I saw his soul leave his body, folks. His soul mm -hmm. left mm -hmm. his body. They did a whole government experiment about it. He lost five grams, five whole grams. <laughs> Welcome to Mammonburg, people. <laughs> I am your... Wait, wait, I have to switch is voices the, now. Is this the auctioner? Like the, it sounds like an auction in yes. Mammonburg that you're doing. You're, you're auctioning. You're auctioning off uh, four co uh, four four uh, tour guides to Mammonburg right now. <laughs> exactly. So the four people we have for sale, which is legal in Mammonburg because slavery is legal in Mammonburg. Yep. Yep. You yep. It, folks, you heard it once. Add it to the lore. Add it to the lore, folks. We need somebody to put it on the Mammonburg wiki. Am I right? The Mammonburg wiki, everybody. Yeah, somebody make the Mammonburg wiki. Yeah. All right. Introduce us, Phil. So tonight we have Josiah. Jo yep, that's me. Yeah. Yes. That's we also ha we also have a uh, jackal jester short shortened to Jackal. Jackal. <laughs> Jackal. Okay. All right. That. I'm <laughs> We're gonna go with that. Uh, hello, I'm <laughs> I'm I'm uh, Jaquel, uh, founder CEO of Buffalo Wild Hands, local establishment of Mammonburg, um, scorned host of SNL. Uh, I I I kept sending letters, but apparently, like dead chicken heads wrapped around uh, carrier pigeons don't count as submissions. <laughs> Why is the CEO? Of, of Buffalo Wild Hands for sale at an auction. <laughs> because that's how corporations work in Mammonburg. No need explaining we're also, it. We're also ignoring the, the problematic of black man on auction block. Yeah, I you know, the instant that bit started up, I was like, this is not great. <laughs> folks, there's no racism in Mammonburg. No overt racism in Mammonburg. Phil, how, how much am I worth? How much money am I going for? <laughs> yeah, Phil, keep digging. You're going you're gonna to have to ask the Confederates about that one, Sonny Jim. <laughs> they keep pointing me to a tree. I don't know what it means. No! <laughs> no! It got too real! <laughs> oh, oh, no! Phil, move and to the next. <laughs> and we, we also got... Some fucking other person. I can't even focus right now. Finch. Why, hello there. Looking for a good time in this post-capitalist oh hellscape. See, see, this is what this is what got the Pirates of the Caribbean ride canceled. Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, Slavery and prostitution. <laughs> 
They're going to do us like they did Walt, folks. Accuse us of being anti-Semites and then freeze our heads. <laughs> Welcome to Mammonburg, everybody. How much, how, much Mammonburg, everyone. How, how much am I worth, Phil? If I claim I'm a debt-free tattooless virgin right now. See, you're you're worth one of those special little JFK dollars. You know, the ones that are like yeah, yeah. silver coins. Oh, Oh, I'm so flattered. The one that every kid thinks is worth a lot of money, and then they find out it's a dollar. Oh, that's yeah. that's <laughs> awesome. How much am I worth? Josiah, you're worth uh three of the shiniest pennies I could find. Oh, uh, that's they awesome. To, they have to be shiny. <laughs> does not count. condone the yeah. auctioneering of women, black people. <laughs> The current See, the currency Mammon system in Mammonburg doesn't make any sense because it's beyond currency. It's also like make sure the pennies are shiny versus not shiny. It's very complicated. The Listen, concept folks, of value is nonsense. Yeah. We gotta add it to the law. Somebody add it to the wiki. Add it to the law. <laughs> Waiting for someone to actually make a wiki. Because I don't want to do it. But I mean yeah, I will gonna... I'll do it if I'm bored enough at some we're point. We're gonna have like deep lore by the end of this. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Are... don't forget that according to our continuity, I am a lizard man. You also I don't, don't even have a leg. remember this. Well, and we haven't, re and then we went through a kick through not releasing episodes too, so the lore yeah. is like just it's very so, We're so fucked. We gotta release that Arctic episode at some point. Yeah. We're like a J.R.R.L. Tolkien novel with like half of the pages torn out. Yeah. Or maybe we, we're like the SC, you know, the SCP Foundation, where like they have little documents and like, like half the documents yeah, yeah. are redacted. That's that's what we are. That's what it is. Yeah, it's yeah. like trying multiple, to read like MK Ultra files. Right. <laughs> they have multiple canons of there are I mean, multiple canons of Marenberg. To the psyche is MK Ultra. Mm -hmm. Mm hmm Probably. The podcast is a brain prion. We did establish that in the and first it, episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we did. All yeah. right, folks, let's get into everybody's favorite brain prion tonight. Oh, God. Israel? Oh. <laughs> what a transition. Yeah, are we tackling? Yeah. What? Are we going to no. do some tonal whiplash and tackle Palestine now? Or are we... Everybody, time to be depressed again because innocent people are dying. Uh, okay. God, all right, wait. Might as well just rip the band-aid off. So, yeah, let's, let's get, get this, this one done quick. So the real question of the last week is, are people, are innocent people dying because Elon Musk was on SNL or are innocent people dying because of the Israel-Palestine conflict? I love your just ad hoc understanding of causation. It's like, you know, ever since Liz Brunig wrote that article, it's just been chaos in the I mean, <laughs> I mean, Aquinas talked about cause and effect. He didn't really... Yeah. He didn't he elaborate. Really... He said something. I don't remember the rest. See, but he did say there was cause and there was effect. Yeah. So obviously, if Aquinas uh, said that, then obviously one thing can always mm -hmm. affect another yeah. thing. <laughs> See, I'm not a fan of Thomas Aquinas. I'm a fan of Tomic Aquinas. Tomic Aquinas. Tomic uh, Aquinas. What? Tomic Tomic Aquinas. 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 Hey, yes, listen. You Tomic don't Aquinas. understand. You're you're not from Jersey. <laughs> it's Tommy. Aquini, you know what I'm saying? Oh my god, it's Joyzy, oh okay? Joyzy, and in Joyzy, we do anything <clears throat> to avoid talking about the Israel Palestine conflict. 
So what's going on in is what what's going on in Palestine, folks? I thought you were gonna ask what's going on in Jersey. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question, also. Drinking what too much going on in water. That's yeah. what the problem is. Oh god. I think the least that we talk about Jersey, the better. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. It's a good content, Neil. I just it kind of what that I'm from New Jersey. Jackal, what yeah, is honestly. Fucking New- no, 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 no. Now we're going to go into some tri-state drama before we go into the Israeli. Okay, Palestine. yeah. This is more pressing. S- yes, yeah, similarly. York... <laughs> well, it, Jekyll, they Jekyll. both have to do tangentially with statehood. Yeah, I mean. Let's just try yeah. to talk to me. I'm trying to talk to Jackal. This is important. We have we have two white two white men talking over my uh, a, a black a man and a, and a woman. Yeah. Listen, folks, <laughs> there's, there's but, no but, racism or sexism in, in Memenberg. In white guys. Yeah, we're talking <laughs> over, but it's see our bits are funny, so that yeah. makes it okay. <laughs> <laughs> Racism and sexism are so so yeah, Finch is, is is pitching her three state solution to this. Well, this all right. All right. Mean, Finch, what what were you going to say? Dude, imagine if Connecticut, New York, and New Jersey all just combined, we'd all kill each other. <laughs> oh, it would be hell um, on earth. Yeah. Um no, I was just gonna say, when are you guys gonna stop fucking up the Long Island Sound with the garbage? Look, stop! Don't blame me for this. Blame our shitty government. See, the problem blame is blame Chris Christie. We have been like Connecticut has been trying for like over fifteen years to clean the sound up, and then like you have the Inner Harbor, which is just an F in in fucking Clemson. <laughs> no, just say. By- we literally had to put hypoxia a hypoxia unit in our school systems because of how badly New York was fucking the sound up. Finch, but- Finch I am not in control of how the, of yeah. how the harbor works. I don't have the authority to yeah. change. Can New I ask York's you guys a, a real try, question, Jackal? You should like draw some little dolphins Jackal. or something and like I- put them on Twitter and be like. Hey, Mr. Mr. De Blasio, or whoever the fuck, I don't even remember who you are. Jackal is king of New York, as far as I understand. Yeah, Jackal, you're the king of New York. Don't... You, you draw the little porpoises, you go, De Blasio, you're really just like, you know, you're at risk of fucking up the sound again after Connecticut works so hard to clean it out. Can you, like, <laughs> not do that? Can you, like, I don't know, like, See, we need to make not a fucking movie suck called... as a mayor? We need to make a horror movie called, instead of, like, De Blasio, it's De Blabio, and it's it's just a re- it, it's just a remake of The Blob, but instead of yeah, instead it has Bill De Blasio's face, and it ruins anything it touches. Right, right, that's good. Look, look, look here. I, number one, I mean, listen on this assumption. I have a point to make. I have a very, I have a point to make, <laughs> guys. How do you think that Bill De Blasio is somehow going to listen to me when this man? Has been cucked by the NYPD That's true. so badly That's that they could post his daughter's address on Twitter, and then he <laughs> sings their praises on Twitter. How exactly? How do you think I'm going to have any? Well, I mean, you got to first make a giant porpoise and put it on the center of the Chrysler Building. I mean, on yeah. the side of the Chrysler Building. I am not going to make a giant porpoise. <laughs> I think you should post his daughter's address on Twitter. I, I am not going. No, 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 no. Better yet, better yet, we combine the ideas. We put his daughter's address on the drawn porpoise. <laughs> on a porpoise. That jackal. Yeah, and then like you put like a like in big red threatening letters, De Blasio, do something about the inner harbor, or I will post your your, your daughter's. I will talk to your daughter's school or whatever. So Man, I, I just 
Okay, Phil, you can talk. I, I know, I need to, but you don't understand. <laughs> Have you guys tried the New Jersey nuclear option yet? What's, What's that? that? Raising the, the bridges. Nuclear option. <laughs> Raising the bridges. Finch, Finch, can, can we put aside, can Connecticut and New York put aside our differences to go to war with New Jersey? Oh yeah, I definitely. Definitely, we're Perfect. definitely going to war. Jersey. You'll never overcome our army of Tony Soprano clones. <laughs> I think we'll do pretty fine. Yeah, I think <laughs> it's all right. The the gabagool and the heart attacks will weed them out yeah, by the end. Actually, in all the uh, all our Connecticut golf courses, we actually have like hidden barracks and uh, what are those called barricades we'll, that just we'll protect capture, us from Jerseyans. We'll wait, what were, the, wait, what were we talking rats. about? Apartheid. We'll capture yeah. all the subway rats and unleash them into like the the woodlands of New Jersey. Just. See what yeah, happens. That's See, good. we already have enough like sewer rats. This, this will be the tri-state war, where it's just Connecticut New York alliance against New Jersey. You releasing all the sewer rats into New Jersey is like fucked up because you're just adding more New Jerseyans to New Jersey. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you watch your turn, Midwest boy. <laughs> Man, like if you can like think of the states, it's like New York is like the the cool protagonist, and then you have like. Connecticut's that that's the the preppy sibling, and then you got New Jersey, which is like an armpit. No offense. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I I love how much of an armpit we are. Yeah. No, there's something level. I mean, like it. New York and Connecticut are are just looking at it like, you know. See, the <laughs> thing about the thing we could always hold over Josiah's head is he doesn't have good Italian for two hundred miles. True. That's that is true. true. That is true. That is true. I mean, like. Collectively, I think also the tri-state has a uh, sort of bond where we all shit on each other. But yeah, exactly. That's true. Yeah. Yeah, we all we all hate each other, but we also hate everyone else more. Yeah, exactly. That's true. That's true. But like, like as opposed to the Midwest is just filled with people who are all convinced they're going to move away one day, and they like they don't ever do that, but they're all like, "Nah, fuck you. One day I'm going to L.A. or something like that." Nobody ever goes. Mm. It's because the so, tax increases are just I mean, way yeah. too much. Oh, yeah. God, the, the, the prices in L.A., because I wanted to move to L.A. at one point, and I just, like, the housing yeah. there is just in, insane. I mean, I listen, living to, in New Jersey or New York. Not to like mention, Jackal. it's just, it's full of, it's full of fucking pedophiles there. Uh, but, yeah. thank yeah. you, Hollywood. Uh, wow, what a great place. Hollywood! We've yeah. got all the pedophiles in the woods! Okay, I th I'm gonna say we've significantly lost the plot. We've, um, we've deterred. The other state. So, yeah, pa pa uh, Palestine is, uh, okay, so who wants to, who has, uh, wants to explain um, what's been going on? Palestine I mean, in, a, in a short okay. burst. In a very succinct way, Hollywood, Gal Gadot no, thinks no, apartheid's no. great. <laughs> yes. Uh, Josiah, can we look into the, the West Bank. Josiah, we need to look into the nuclear option of just like tactically muting Phil on occasion. <laughs> oh, we, we should don't... all have a button. Yeah, we just have the mute kill button. Um. Okay. So. So. Like the. The. You know. Like NPR listening version of what is happening in Palestine right now. I'm not. It's not deep. Like I don't have a deep analysis or history here. Is as of yesterday or the day before. Uh, well, it doesn't matter because this will come out. Do you want me to? Um. The. The police. Well, I got this. Poli 
the, the Israeli police started storming uh, like various mosques in Gaza, um, supposedly because there was uh, like some some they, they took some damage from Hamas, although there is no evidence of that happening before they raided the mosques. Um, so but basically over the last couple days, Jerusalem has just turned into bloodshed. Um there's a lot of like mass protests and violence and the Israeli police are um just like chucking tear gas into mosques and shit. And um I, I feel like I'm gonna mispronounce it, but Al Aqsa Aqsa Asa, I don't know. Um what which is one of the most holy sites in Israel or in, in the Arabic world, in the Muslim world, uh got set fire to uh, a couple nights ago. Um, oh, so it's, it's a, it's a travesty what's going on right now. And don't um, forget that it was that, the like, last day of Ramadan. Yeah. It was so a, yeah, today's Eve. Yeah. Today's so Eve this was in the West at least. Yeah, I, I think so. I mean, it was, so it was Jerusalem day. Um, so it was the anniversary of the 1967 capture of Jerusalem, if I'm correct. Um, and so that was like the, it was like the, <clears throat> it was definitely coordinated around some sort of like grotesque celebration of israel first being able to colonize jerusalem but whatever anyway so that's the depressing info of what's occurring right now yeah we might be right. able to bring and that it's uh, because this as is far as no, well, I'm ahead, just say, no i'm just saying they, they might be on the brink of war because this is unprecedented or, or at least it has been for many yeah, years since this, it's, this it hasn't been like this since the 60s basically yeah yeah so i don't want to like guys, we might see some very bad shit happen. I hope this doesn't happen. I really... But I am very afraid that this is going to be like... This is some sort of death blow from the IDF yeah. to Palestine. Yeah. I, I'm... Yeah. I am very fra- afraid for those people. Yeah. It's something that... um, I think that whenever discourse about Israel sort of comes up... Because uh, if you do any sort of... Any reading about how it's framed. There was a great thread uh, done by someone about how um, how publications frame the uh, the Israeli-Palestine conflict, and they always frame it as it's a clash. Mm-hmm. And it can't be because Palestine is not a equal fighter in this yeah. scenario. Israel is a nuclear-powered military apartheid state. Backed by the U.S. government, yeah, with with, with a mandatory mandatory military service for all citizens. Like it's mm-hmm. you know it's it's a military state. I mean, like there isn't even that much much of the West Bank left that belongs. To yeah, the no, there's not. I mean, you could if we can maybe put the like in the show notes, um, like that chart that shows like how much of of like the progression of. Israel colonizing more and more of of Palestine to yeah. what it is now. Like it, it barely like the UN, um, the UN uh, plan for Israel did not give Palestine a lot. However, mm-hmm. what it is now is like it is that the original UN plan looks fair in comparison mm-hmm. to what what is is going on right now. And it's not even talk about like the the ongoing issue that has been with like. Israeli settlements into Palestinian territories. Yeah. Um, so in a way, like something to keep in mind about this is that this conflict, like th- what's happening right now is not coming out of like out of nowhere. This is a 
simmer of of multiple factors that are leading to the violence that we're seeing yeah. right now. Yeah. And the majority of, the majority of it is on the Israeli government, which is, if we're going to be honest, it's a far right apartheid state, um, especially yeah. under uh, Netanyahu, um, who I believe has said multiple uh, interesting things about uh, Palestinians. Yeah, well, um, but Netanyahu does not really, he doesn't see the Palestinians as people or with their own autonomy. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm going to quote my dear mother here. Uh, he sees them as insects to be squashed and gotten rid of, according to yeah. him. And, yeah. um, I, and he's just carrying out what he believes, I think. I mean, it's, it's right. terrible to say, but like, <clears throat> he does not see the, these people as people. Yeah, Absolutely right. Not. So if you see, if you don't think of these, if you don't think of people as a people, then why would you be expected to treat them as people? Even like, yeah. if you look at uh, like Gaza, for example, like it's an open air prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like, uh, no, go for it. Go for it, Jess- Jackal. Mr. No, Jester. it's um. Um. I'm sorry. It's... I should call you Jackal. Mister Jester is your father. All right, <laughs> Mr. Chester is my father. Uh, yeah, it's. I don't. Know, I think that it's interesting um, how this thing is framed. When if you just look at it objectively, you have a military power that has uh, uh, that is a U.S. backed nuclear power. It's the most powerful state in the Middle East, next right. to I would say right. like next to Saudi Arabia. Uh, it's. You probably go like descending order. It's Israel, Saudi Arabia, Iran for like the most influential states in the Middle East. Um, yeah. But the like <clears throat> Israel is explicitly backed by the U.S. Um, it's a nuclear power. It is. Uh, it is like just as I said. There's a uh, would you call it force cons- force conscription or. Yeah, yeah, it's it's mandatory military service. Like you, you after you turn, if I remember correctly, after you turn eighteen, you have to serve in the IDF for a few years. Um, yeah, just everyone does it. Yeah, I had a friend who was half uh, half Israeli that he had to go do that. Um, yeah, uh, but yeah, it's um. So you have all those like, let it be understood that Israel that in this conflict, Israel is the is not only the aggressor, they're also the person with all of the cards on the table. Yeah. Palestine, uh, what's Palestine have? Yeah. Nothing, I mean, really. I, I mean, in a lot of ways, I feel like we're witnessing some, uh, I mean, a genocide. Um, it, I, I was trying to find this video, um, but there was this video taken right here, and I'm sending, of um, people cheering. Okay as uh al-aqsa i'm certain i'm mispronouncing that but the the holy site is burning it's a a crowd of israelis you know waving the flags and cheering and singing right and i believe that they said it turned out that the building that was not the building itself that was on fire that was something that was next to it however that's that's that crowd that crowd did believe like if you why would they be cheering on a tree being burned Mm-hmm. I they what we're with this is sort of one of the core components of of like of far right politics is like this kind of national chauvinism. Yeah, 
Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, um, I guess to circle back to uh, the Christian side of our podcast. Right. Uh, let it be known that uh, Bethlehem is one of the major cities still located in Palestine. And yeah. Israeli forces have been bulldozing and evicting homes of both Palestinian Christians and Muslims in Bethlehem, in well, this very holy city. Yeah. yeah. Palestinians actually have like a probably a huge representation when it comes from the three Abraham, uh, Abrahamic faiths. And also like just are most likely historically descended from either the original Israelites or at least mm-hmm. they have what I mean is they have more of a right to be there than the colonizing force. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have to do a film recommendation because there's actually a really good documentary that came out last year in 2020 that is kind of like a microcosm of the pet, like the Israel Palestine conflict. It's called Mare. Mm-hmm. And essentially, it's about Musa Hadid, who is the mayor of Ramallah, mm-hmm. which is one of the, one of the few cities, like like basically the de facto capital of Palestine at the moment. Right. Like it's it's where they're all their like capital, which is mind you, it's a historically Christian city, and he's the whole movie is essentially about him. It's a do- like a documentary about him planning the Christmas season for the entire city. And literally, I'll never forget while watching it, there's an there's a scene where they're like in a city like meeting and quite literally uh, a squad of IDF forces break into the city hall that mm. they're like having Holy a shit. meeting in and like hold them all at gunpoint and like they're like... And there's some... There's this strangeness to it because, like, they while they're like, you could see that the like the camera crew is like kind of perturbed by it, and so are like mm-hmm. the figures in the room. It's mm-hmm. not like they're also used to it because why the, second, the second so why the second the IDF, IDF why were they what? there? Yeah, why were the IDF there? Because the IDF is constantly making like pursuits, like essentially encroaching on like Palestinian land. So they constantly make excursions into, like, Palestinian territory. Hmm. And that's, like, the only reason. They're not, like, saying, like, we're checking for Hamas or something like that. They don't even I'm give, not, like, an excuse. I'm not entirely sure. I'm I'm sure it would be something like that, yeah. Something like yeah, that. But, I mean, they did, uh, they did do that, uh, why they, they decide to, uh... To launch a missile at that uh, apartment complex was that there are there were Hamas weapons in the basement. Yeah, yeah but there were also people. But essentially, Hamas. the documentary yep. shows that this is so commonplace in modern, like contemporary Palestine. Yeah, that, like like e- like essentially, the mayor has like this almost flippant view. The second that like the IDF leaves, he just goes back to business, like talking yeah. about how they're going to plan this like Christmas celebration. And he treats the Christmas celebration in the city as, like, this unifying moment where, you know, we could just forget about all, like, the conflict that's happening to us. And we can finally, hopefully, celebrate something in earnest for once. And it's Mm -hmm. it's a beautiful film. It's an amazing documentary. And it just goes to show, because I think what people need now more than ever is a humanizing look at the Palestinian people because the thing is the problem is when you're focusing on a conflict mm-hmm. is that it's unintentionally 
even the victims become dehumanized, even by the people they're trying to protect or like who are trying to protect them. Yeah. They're just seen as like numbers of people, like numbers of Palestinians. It's why like a lot of leftists mm. hate the term black bodies because it, it doesn't recognize individuality. It's simply mm. like just a commodification of individuals mm. and yeah, the, I can, like the oppression I that. that they suffer under discrimination because mm -hmm. right. it's not just a it's not just a body every single person is an individual person and every single life that gets destroyed is another life lost so this movie is something that's deeply humanizing for people in modern palestine who are just trying to live yeah i'll uh yeah. i'll jump on um to phil's point to rec and also recommend something it's a it's a it's a graphic novel this time um palestine by joe sacco who it, it's an example of a non-fiction comics journalism of uh oh, essentially joe sacco uh went to palestine to the west bank and the gaza strip from december of 1991 to sometime in 1992 um and he spent time uh, researching uh, the history of Palestine, presenting a portrayal of the of the situation of the Palestinian people as a group, as individuals, and mm -hmm. their plight uh, politically, culturally, um, economically. Uh, it, it kind of gives you a it gives you like a day in the like what it is like to live in Palestine. Um, yeah. Yeah, that sounds and, good. Uh, he's Josako is also very aware of himself as a Westerner coming in. Yeah. Um, to a situation that he's not exactly like he's not Palestinian, so he's coming to a situation that he doesn't really have ties with in that way. Mm -hmm. he, he's aware of like of trying not to present the narrative as colonialist or as a way of fetishizing, mm -hmm. um, or sensationalizing the conflict. Yeah. Um, so I would suggest uh. Uh, Palestine, the book, uh, for people that want yeah. something to read, and that it's a it's a pretty good portrayal of of Palestinian history in a kind of succinct manner. If you want to yeah. get started, um, mm -hmm. and uh, to uh, to sort of remedy a point that I made in a deleted portion of the podcast. Now, thank you, Alien. Um, <laughs> is uh, I would suggest that uh, for people that are curious about kind of a that are curious about uh like jewish politics outside of like zionism look into jewish uh, autonomism which presented uh basically a kind of like jewish anarchism of building up the idea of a jewish state not as like a polit like as a nation state but as a as a people mm -hmm. um it's a very interesting uh political it's a very interesting political philosophy that I think in in times like this where you have like people trying to peddle criticism of either Israel or of Zionism as anti-Semitism, I think it's 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 important to understand that there, even back when Zionism was in its infancy, there were there were Jewish people that came and said, "Hey, this doesn't sound like a good idea. Like this doesn't yeah. sound like what we should be doing." So, uh, yeah. at some point, we'll have to have someone who's Jewish to come on. But I think it's important to. It's important to keep in mind that, like, in general, like, whenever you criticize Zionism or the State of Israel, 
you have to understand you're you cannot like it's not about criticizing jewish people or judaism mm -hmm. or that is not what it's about it's about criticizing a modern nation state that's creating an apartheid regime that is attempting to right. to dis to dis to dislocate is not the right term but i i i feel that like it's it's a pretty apt uh summation of what they're doing is like they're displacing a people Mm -hmm. from their homes they're kicking them out they're destroying their farms there for the sake of of trying to uh like set up a their idea of what things should be and their idea of what things should be or even exclusionary towards other jews who don't share in that idea yeah exactly and that movie, right. by the way, was directed oh. by uh, David Osit. I say this because I like giving directors credit, but also because sometimes movies have literally the same flipping name. Mm -hmm. So right. it's Mare by David Osit. Okay, nice. cool. All right, gentlemen, shall we circle around to our next topic? Yes. yes. Sure. Do we want to do... Right. Do we, do, we want to do Culp Spiring, or do we want to do Pelagianism? I've been do earnest we... for way too long. I need to cut loose with some shit. I think I think if we wanna if we wanna cut loose, I think it could be time to to tackle Pelagian discourse. Oh, all right, God. okay, we'll do we'll do Pelagianism and we'll do couple couple. What no grace does to a motherfucker? Then, that's right. And then conservative. Okay, all right. So you'll need right. to. I don't understand explain, what Pelagianism is. Explain to me and Jack. Want to explain like Pelagianism? I want to explain Pelagianism. Ooh, I want to do it so. Okay, bad. Phil, go for it. So, I'm so ex I'm so glad you're excited to do that because I did not want to do it. So the thing about Pelagianism is that uh, so Pelagius uh, is an old heretical. He he has been deemed retroactively a heresy, but to like literally you can gleam a little bit like basically the Wikipedia page on Pelagius <laughs> summarizes what he believes. He essentially believes that original sin doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. mm. original sin doesn't exist and but also you are like he believes in this like hyper determination where but there is no from jesus and god there is no grace so everything that you do are you are personally responsible for now the thing mm. is that sounds good on paper like oh i get to define my own destiny but no 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 you don't understand because, like, the whole point of Christianity is that, like, people do sins, and by the grace of God we are redeemed. In Pelagianism, there is no grace. If you do something wrong, you will be held accountable for it for eternity. Yeah. And every little thing you do wrong makes your, like, either your afterlife mm. or, like, just the accumulation of your sins infinitely yeah. worse. This sort of seems like it's a branch of Calvinism. No, it's the opposite. It's a rejection no, it's of the opposite. It's, it's hyper, it's, like it's hyper. Oh, 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 no, no, it's Alien hyper. It's like yeah, it's like hyper determined. Like it's hyper deterministic in the sense so, that like Alien, you are personally responsible. <laughs> yeah, you're it's, personally it's, responsible for everything you. Yeah, yeah, it's it's okay. um. So it's like a, it's like it's like okay. So what from what I understand. It is on the uh, Calvinism is on one end and Pelagianism is on the other. Yeah, so, but yeah, I think it, the, if you want to think of it in the terms of when it occurred, though, it's Augustinianism is on one end and then Pelagius is on the yeah. other because it was kind of like Christianity was at a crossroads where it could have gone with Augustine or Pelagius and it went with right. Augustine. Um, 
And as a lot of people have pointed out, it's good that that happened because I know as much as like Augustine gets railed on about shame and stuff, like Pelagius had a program for how to achieve grace and holy shit. I am so glad that Christianity did not want to like create that kind of asceticism. No, it's bad. It, it is so it's bad. bad. I it's mean, it so just seems it's like, like the system. Like the thing I mean, the system brutal. we have has worked for like two thousand years. So yeah, yeah. It's like good. he's he's quite literally like brutal in his beliefs. Like it's, it's but so so the reason that this has come up is a bunch of is liberal theologians like to do this thing like every ten years or so. No, I mean, it's it's more than that, but they'll love to just post on Twitter like, you know, people hate on Pelagius, even fellow Episcopalians like me, you know, hate Pelagius. But have you read, you know, actually, he's actually kind of cool because, you know, no. maybe he's like the God. good heresy. And that started the discourse. This is why we're all orthodox. This is what liberal theology does to people, rots their yeah. brains. What yeah. being heretics does to a motherfucker. I, what what yeah. being heretics does to a motherfucker. We should just start burning people at the stake again. I think uh, that's not, good. Let's, let's not go that far, boys. <laughs> well, uh, well, Jack let's, will get uh, you a Wishfinder no, General costume. This. This is, this well, is violent, I... Not, like, we're coming to get you. Look, I believe in a program of, of ethical witch burning. Mm -hmm. This is, is what I get for sharing the podcast with Protestants. Okay. Listen, it's okay. I will hey, have you, hey, you guys did plenty of witch burnings. Don't don't do this. Hey, we did inquisitions. That's different. <laughs> and nobody expected them. Yes. <laughs> Look, every denomination's got its got its dirty laundry. Let's not do. And listen, Finch, we'll save you a buckle hat. It'll all be good. Oh, great. <laughs> uh, unrelatedly. Uh, don't, don't don't publicly say that you're Catholic, or we're gonna be obligated <laughs> to like throw holy water at you. That's true. One of my uh, one of my favorite things to do on Twitter is try to come up with a take that will that no one will be happy with. Like it perfectly gets everything. And w I have one sitting in my drafts. I'm not gonna post because I have witches following me. Uh, that is. That cancel culture is like the modern witch burning, and that I think it's good. No. <laughs> oh my god! No, I love. I there's know. nobody satisfied. With that, that is good. That is not. That that is... Good. Don't, don't post no, that. No, yourself. no, I'm gonna be the contrarian there. Josiah, post that. Okay. I'll oh, like it. Do he has to. It's too good. <laughs> Look, I will. I I will come out and say jokes aside. If you're a witch. Good for you. Do what you're gonna do. Who <laughs> do cares? what you're gonna do. <laughs> listen, if that's I am, how I you am... find comfort. Go ahead. Yeah. Hey, I you mean, know, listen, be it's a witch okay if you want to, and hopefully you'll grow out of it. But you know, it's mm -hmm. yeah. Listen, I mean, it's, like it's, it's a sorry, free country with okay. terms and conditions. So you know, go for it. <laughs> See, this is funny because, like, literally the one time we started, we tried to start beef with a pagan of some kind. I ended up being his friend. So <laughs> you just befriended him. Yeah, that's that true. true. So literally, we can't pot. the The problem with Christianity is Phil, when you, you are the practice, only person. It's very hard to hate people. Yeah, Phil, you are the only person who, like, <laughs> I have seen achieve that out of a Twitter beef. I mean, I listen. Let, I didn't even like because he was like going after me, so I just ratioed him once, and then I was off of Twitter for the rest of the day. I had no idea what you three did. Like, I was like, "Hey, look at this <laughs> guy." But let's let's. Uh, I'm gonna be honest. I was like, "Hey guys, look at this guy. Isn't he funny?" Yes. 
Um, I don't I'm know. sorry, it's... Kanto. You seem like a really cool dude if you're listening. Like and, I said, um, I'm sorry for being mean to you. Uh, and like, we, I'm glad we, we reconciled. Friendly. Yeah. This is this is yeah. like the Twitter beefs I get this into are so different. Works, baby. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so different than like I think that because. I can't like the the reason is you guys pushed long enough and then you didn't find a deplorable person at the bottom of it and you're kind yeah. of like oh. see that's the good like, part as like I end up going with like anti-vax Nazis and I just keep pushing and it's just more shit and I mm-hmm. I I yeah I can't befriend those people <laughs> yeah yeah um yeah I mean like he seems like he's a you know because I think like. Or like I know Phil and I both follow him you now, and he's no, like he's a cool to him dude. personally. He's extremely nice, just very depressed. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He seems like he's cool. Um, if you would like to come on the show, we would love to have yeah. you. Yeah, we would love this, to have you. Um, this is a pluralistic podcast. Yeah. Listen, it, it, I mean, listen. We're we're gonna think you worship Finch's personal apology here, for being okay. mean to you and ratio yes. you on Twitter. I'm very sorry about that. You're. <laughs> I've seen your posts. I think they're really cool. And you seem yeah. like a cool dude, dude overall. You follow so, you I follow hope. me. You followed me for a long time. He's also I, I... so thirsty. I mean, look, oh man, it's God. the quarantine's getting to everybody. Let's, yeah, let's, let's not put. I mean, dude, I was literally listen. Jackal thirst posted over over Lady Dimistle. Wow, way to just my business out in public, Phil. Wow, thank you. I mean, Jackal and I have been accusing each other of being simps over various listen or, or, i've never been sexually Eastern attracted Europeans. to a lamppost which is all i'm saying uh, is somebody ben on this podcast is that a thing I think phil is saying that he is phil <laughs> what? what wait what i said i've never been sexually attracted to a lamppost but it sounds like you're saying that in like a unlike some people. Yeah, and I want to know yeah. who you're jabbing are, at. Are, 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 you, are you are you jabbing at me? It's or Jackal because that's that's how tall Lady Demestre is. Oh, like the right. size yeah. of a lamppost. Look, Jackal and I have two. We, we're we're people of discerning taste. We both like vague Eastern Europeans. Okay? Vague mm, Eastern European right. people who may Dude. either brutalize you or like, I don't know, trad shit. Who knows? And like and like dress. Like, very good, like snappy dress. Wait, Jackal, does that mean that since Finch is Tradwoy Finch, your house husband Jackal? I guess yeah. so. <laughs> uh, He's yeah. the trad husband. Well, well, like, well, the yes. vampire lady's the breadwinner. I'm the <laughs> only one who is not a simp because I'm getting married. Ha ha! You're a simp I, to, your, to your fiancé. I'm yeah, a simp exactly. to my fiancé, but she's she's not fictional, baby. She's real. He's got us there, Jackal. True, yeah. Listen, I don't need to go to your local GameStop and buy the cardboard cutout, which I'm sure people got into bidding over. Wait, there should be like a Twitter post that's just the pointing Spider-Mans and it's Finch and Jackal accusing each other of being simps over vague Eastern Europeans. <laughs> like somebody tweet that. Oh damn it, we lost the plot again. Where were we? Pelagius. Look, uh, yes, Pelagius. I will I will say one last thing is that I think I have the better taste in the vague Eastern European than Zemo. Oh, oh, well, this is this is this is a point of contention, all right. He does have this a is... sexy mole on the side of his face. He does have the sexy mole. Not tall lady. Tall lady. Big. Okay, but the giant lady. Come on, man. He's but a But she turns into a dragon. That's the caveat. Yeah, that's the caveat. Some I, people like, would Zemo say that that's not a drag. negative. I mean, have you seen Zemo in a beer? Dude, that's like a weapon to surpass Metal Gear. No, a weapon. 
It's <laughs> they played us like a damn fiddle. <laughs> Have you seen when when Lady Devastu chases chases you around? Have you seen that? I'm just saying. No, it's, it's you're you're this running your hands up podcast. and you're like, no, no, stop. It's, and stop as it. we had said before, Finch, this is not your mother's Christian podcast. <laughs> your mama's, yeah. Unless your mama's lady. And, and if and if Christianity had taken had taken the Pelagian route, we would not be able to have a conversation like this. Because we'd all be we'd all be too depressed to move, frankly. Uh-huh. Yeah. We'd have the to whip ourselves why... afterwards. And... Also, it is I, I think I would like to go back in time and thank augustine and say thank you yeah. sir because of you i can simp after tall vampire women <laughs> when you when you and get augustine to heaven would and... say what the fuck are you talking about <laughs> listen jackal you're gonna like you're gonna wake up in heaven and like you're just gonna go to the nearest angel and be like bring me augustine i need to tell him what i know yeah oh god I need to let him know what he has done for us. The benefits he has I, given humanity. I can't face face Augustine, Jesus. I will look him in the Lord eye Jesus. and tell him. I don't think <laughs> I can do that to Jesus. I will look at Augustine in the eyes. He's just going to be him. like, what the fuck is a video game? <laughs> Oh my god, that's the the Don Hughes tweet, the one where it's like asking Marks what he would think of today, and he goes, "You went to the moon? <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into the moon?" <laughs> it's like obviously, like, would you feel good about the simping he's going on? He's like, "What? You have pictures on the screen here? <laughs> this is magic rock. That be so jarring. Imagine." Like, listen, like, in all seriousness, imagine getting into heaven and being like, yeah, in my time, like, explaining to the medieval peasants that are there. It's like, yeah, in our time, we have, like, medicine that cures the bubonic plague. And they're like, fucking hell! I wish I had that! Are you kidding me? Dude, I'm gonna, like, I can't wait to go to heaven just because I want to find St. Bartholomew the Apostle. Because I'm gonna be yes. like, whoa, bro, you're you're kind of freaking me out without that skin, you know, without your skin. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> yeah. I I always love the like thought experiments of like how a medieval peasant would react to eating a Dorito or something like that. I yeah. always think those are hilarious. What about <laughs> you just go up to Joan of Arkins? Like, personally, I like you, Crispy. <laughs> oh in, in heaven, Ooh. they've got a sense of humor. So it works. Yeah. Man, like I, I wonder... don't know. I would, I like if you could give, okay, if you could give any snack product to any person of any time period, uh, what would you? <laughs> no, this is a game. What, what would you do? What would you do, boys? Oh, I would give a, a a monster energy drink to a pleb in the Roman Empire. <laughs> 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 Just watch them run. Yeah. <laughs> Have them run all the way to all the way to fucking Jerusalem. <laughs> Listen, I, I would I would give like I would give King Henry VIII his first fried Oreo so that he gets even like <laughs> even thicker. If only Henry VIII were fatter. I think that, you know, as Anglican that might be adjacent. the thing that kills him early. Yeah, it, it, he might have just been one fried Oreo away from like complete and oh, utter organ yeah. failure. 
Imagine, imagine like he eats the fried Oreo and it makes him live longer. Oh my God. God. It imbues him with all its sugary power. It's it shocks his system to the extent that it lasts for like five more years than it should. <laughs> see, see, the problem is the, the the problem with King Henry the Eighth is like statistically speaking, since vegetables were more commonly eaten as part of your diet back then, like since there were no or like artificial foods, most likely he had a well balanced ju- diet. Just way too much, like way too fucking much of it. It was the quantity that was the problem. But that's amazing, getting fat off like cucumbers. Like how oh much God. do you that's have to amazing. eat? That's yeah, awesome. I mean, like... You know how many cucumbers he'd have to eat? That's crazy. Big <laughs> Henry. I I also love Can't the idea. Be an heretic if you have me on church. You, you send oh. a. <laughs> You send this fried Oreo to Henry VIII. Phil goes back in time. He does this. And all this does is just completely fuck up the timeline for Britain as a whole. Because it just means Henry VIII dies sooner, which just means that he doesn't have an heir. So the whole Elizabeth Mary crisis would just happen earlier. You would spiral. Yeah, but no, no, no. But then Scotland gets autonomy because the Stuarts would be there. (laughs) Yes. Phil actually just saved... Scotland. That's how you save Scotland with a fried Oreo. Yeah, exactly. I love this. So, like, like so, so James and and Charles Stuart would both be kings, and then yeah. I don't know. The Revolutionary War might have gone different. It might have not been a war. Maybe they they oh. like just wait a second. It probably would have been a war, but still, in that, in one Speaking fried of Oreo. The Revolutionary War. Oh yeah, do we want to do that? Oh, yeah. oh I didn't. I didn't do mine yet. No, oh, Jackal, we yeah, have yeah, to yeah, figure out yeah, what yeah, Jackal yeah. would do. What would you do? WWJD. I would, okay, I would go back to uh, Sub-Saharan Africa, to the hunter-gatherers, uh, the, like, the fully anatomical, anatomically modern and psychologically modern homo sapiens. I would go back in time, and I would give them one carameled apple. <laughs> so wait oh my and god they, eat it, they would be like but it's like an oh apple but it has sugar. things on it like oh, i like what is like what's terrible what's an apple yeah oh my god i'm pretty sure you uh, would like destroy the dental hygiene of an entire tribe in mere minutes yeah um what would i do i guess i would get that coke coffee thing that uh i think i riffed on a few months back, and I give it to Sir Arthur Conan Doyle to just put it out of his put him out of his misery. <laughs> um, Listen, I would. It would give either. Alistair it would either. Crowley so much mm, stuff. It would either kill Conan Doyle, or it would just not affect him because he was just so hopped up on coke all the time. <laughs> oh, like those oh, are the God, only wait. two options. I have a better. I have a He's better. He's too busy uh, trying to commune with ghosts. Yeah, I have a better thing to give um, the uh, sub-Saharan and sub-Saharan uh, hunter-gatherers. What's that? I-, I would give them chocolate-covered bacon, which is a real oh, thing that you can no, get no. At, <laughs> at county fairs. You yeah, know what, that's... who I would actually give? You know what I might actually do? Is I would give a Kit Kat bar to Edgar Allan Poe. Like, I feel like he needs he needed a little brightening up of his day, and I think I a think Kit Kat bar would have done To be honest, that. I kind of like... In the inverse, the one food product I want to try from, like, ages old, like, the inverse of all this, of going back in time <laughs> to give something to someone, 
I'm going back in time to get Coca-Cola. I want to know oh, what it yeah. tastes like with the cocaine in it. Dude, I want oh, yeah. all the cocaine products. I want the Vin Mariani <laughs> with the cocaine wine. Because, like, the like, Pokes used to drink dude, that. the cocaine made it better, and I'm only doing it once. It's not yeah. like I can get addicted to it. I only get one. Yeah. I mean, my only respite will be to get addicted to actual. It's gonna coke, be. It's gonna no. be Back to the Future, but it's just gonna be me and Phil. Period. Hopping, <laughs> hopping to like get all the Coke products. Trying to try <laughs> all the drugs that have ever yeah. been made in history. Yeah. <laughs> just go. Also, I can't wait to go back to like in like to like ancient Greece and just be like, Hey, do you guys have that like? Do you guys have that shit that has like the greek yogurt and the wine and like the weird oats in it and they're like yeah we have that it tastes like garbage <laughs> but do you want it <laughs> that, that, that's literally yeah it. i'll uh, go anyway. back to the roman empire and be like do you have any of that rotten meat i want to try that out let's see what's oh, going God. on with that oh yeah. i want i want yeah. your finest delicacy and it's just like a severed hand and they're yeah. like, going yeah. going just, back to yeah, egypt like... and being like do you have that bread with the rocks in it i want that <laughs> like sure i guess you you sure you want this okay (laughs) yeah Yeah. oh god well why doesn't uh why don't finch why don't you teach us some history oh yeah yeah yeah, this is a local legend yeah follow me with some art history uh culper spy ring um which was a network of spies in the revolutionary war um was um <clears throat> especially important after British forces occupied New York in August of 1776. Uh, New York City would remain a British stronghold and a major naval base uh, for the duration of the Revolutionary War, uh, which meant that getting information from New York on British troop movements and other uh, plans was critical to George Washington. I know uh, the man, the myth, the legend, commander of the Continental Army. I've heard, I've heard of this guy. I know, right? Um, there Wait, was... who is George Washington? <laughs> he was a guy. I think he like pulled his slave's teeth out. I don't. I don't. Didn't, don't they was... have a stupid painting of him in that like big building in the Capitol? Yeah, I mean, yeah. like he's canceled, so. Um, Thank God. I don't know. He had a, he had a stupid haircut, so I don't want to listen to anything he had to say. Oh no, no, yeah. but it's not about him. It's it's um, it's not about him. So they were floundering around for about two years after the Brits did this. Very uh, American. Then, yeah, and then in 1778, Flounder. uh, the first uh state representative for my state, uh, Connecticut, um, came up with an idea, and his name was uh Benjamin Talmadge. So he established a small group of trustworthy men and women from his hometown of Setauket, Long Island. Man, uh, everything they... was stupidly named back then. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. It's all British um, names at the time. That was the problem. Yeah, I mean, like, the Brits come up with the worst names. Listen, the true. Italians made naming conventions so much better. They did. They bring so yeah. much to the table. Everyone's name back then was like Lee Charles Oxford fucker the 18th. Yeah. yeah. Oh no, you're gonna you're gonna like you're gonna like one of the main guys. So, um, Phil. Um, so mm-hmm. he recruited a bunch of men and women. Um let's see. I mean one listen. of them was Connecticut State Hero, actually, Nathan Hale. But he, well, Nathan Hale wasn't a part of the spy ring, he, but he was... Um, Wait, you guys have a state hero? 
Yeah, Connecticut. Yeah. Hmm. Does oh, New Jersey have a state hero? I mean, aside from like Tony Soprano, I don't think so. Yeah. Ours is the lead singer of Slipknot. <laughs> oh. Okay. Yeah. Nate, Nathan Hale was not in the spiring, but he did illustrate the date. He was a wake up call for Talmadge about how dangerous spy, um, spying was. So Nathan Hale was. Um, he pe- penetrated British lines to gather information. He was caught by the British and hung in New York. Uh, and famously, he has supposedly said, um, my only regret is that I have one life to give for my country. And yeah. there are like a bunch of statues of him here in Connecticut. I mean, was, uh... personally, I just wouldn't have penetrated the British at all. They're just not my type. Boy, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you're gonna no. get your willy dirty like that in it. Uh, I mean, people were riddled with diseases back then, so I wouldn't yeah. doubt it. All right. Um, Josiah looks so upset. No, I'm okay. I'm okay. Imagine, imagine, like that's how mm-hmm. that's how like you got scurvy somehow was that you you had sex with a British person. Oh, oh God. God, they're that's, just so yeah. they're just so vitamin like D, like C <laughs> and D like, deficit. Sucks. They're like vitamin C vampires. They suck it out of you. <laughs> Oh, it's only if you have if you have sex with with someone from the British royalty, it just you instantly get riddled with dozens of diseases. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in mid seventeen seventy eight, George Washington appointed Talmadge to the head of the Continental Army's Secret Service. He was charged with establishing a permanent spy network that would operate behind enemy lines in Long Long Island, British occupied. So mm. uh, this is here comes the name that I think uh, you'll like, Phil. Is that uh, Talmadge recruited uh, his childhood friend, the uh, farmer at the uh, who was a farmer at the time, Abraham Woodhull? Yeah. Oh my God, Abraham Woodhull! Yeah, That's Abraham. A Woodhull. Oh wait a second, I this is conjuring memories. I remember somebody mentioning Woodhull, and like I just could. I'm so fucking sorry, but this brings back somebody mentioned this guy to me once. This isn't the first time I've heard the name Woodhull, because I distinctly remembering, like, I I distinctly remembering making jokes about how he would get splinters in his dick. (laughs) I'm 98% sure that I brought him up the first time we talked to each other, IRL. Yes! Yes, because I kept making splinter dick jokes! Yes! Yes. (laughs) Thank you. Abraham Splinter Dick put that in the. It all comes back together. It all comes back together. It all comes back. It's always full circle. Let the circle be unbroken. May the circle be unbroken. I don't know. Whatever the gospel hymn is. Uh, Yes. Uh, And he was also joined by Caleb Brewster, who was a former whaler who basically commanded a fleet of whaleboats against British and Tory shipping on the Long Island Sound. He would actually, this dude was a fucking badass, and he's actually buried pretty close to where I live. Um, he would he would basically row these whaleboats across the Long Island Sound from Connecticut to Long Island, mm-hmm. and he would find these little coves to hide, and that's where he would go to find Abraham Woodhull and or, or any of the other members of the spy ring and, like, get the information from him. And then he would rail, uh, row back to, like, Fairfield and Norwalk, Connecticut, to uh, to give them back to Talmadge. And, like, he was doing this right under the British noses because, like, the, the, the Long Island Sound was, like, a primary place where British ships were, like, anchoring themselves. 
So he could have been found and shot at any time. That's awesome. I yeah. like this. I like him. Yeah, he's he, he's a I mean, he was a pretty epic he dude. He likes wooden holes. He likes hiding in caves. This is my kind of guy. That's right. Well, well wood hole wasn't the one going across the sound. That was Brewster. <laughs> I mean, listen, they all sound like the same guy. They're all. <laughs> History is actually just one guy doing a lot yes. of things. Yes. <laughs> History is just one guy. Yeah. You don't understand. Every historical figure is just one historical figure. He's this the, is uh, this he's is the the, uh, the great man. This is the great man theory of history got to its logical extreme. It's exactly. not, there's <laughs> not great man. It's just, there's one singular man that is marking all historical all. events. This is totally off topic, but like. I started, I was, like, watching, because I was bored, so I put on the, like, Invincible, that, like, Amazon original, and I found out that one of the, like, dudes who, like, dies in the first episode was, like, a literally just Abraham Lincoln. Yeah, the immortal. It, literally, he, he was just, he, like, took on the alias of Abraham Lincoln, ran for president, and was, like, faked his own death, and then was a superhero the whole time, and I'm like... Oh, no, he did not fake his death. He did die. Like he got shot. Uh, uh, oh, I like the name Abraham. Though it's such a strong name. It's a it's a good name. It is a very I, good. Name. I wonder why us Christians might like the name Abraham. So. <laughs> I, I wonder yeah, what I the wonder. connotations. Are. I don't know, man. But something interesting I, about this spying is that how exactly like how secret was it to like how aware were the British that this was a thing that was going on and the Brits were not how. Aware. Okay, all right. So it was a pretty well kept secret. Yeah, because like it's, it's really British... easy to keep secrets from the British people. They still don't know that. Like, they still don't know that. I was about to make a joke, but I forgot. I forgot who the prime minister of Britain was in World War Two. They even still don't like... know spices exist, even though well, they that, see that's half a good the world one. Winston uh, Churchill. Yeah. I literally thought of. I'll have you know, I was sitting here and I conjured the image Churchill. of Winston Churchill in my brain, and it instantly turned into the image of Alfred Hitchcock instead. And I just. <laughs> They're very similar. And I just. I literally, like, be, my mind blanked and was like, oh, no, 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 no. no you're, you're thinking of this guy. And I'm like, I, no, I no, no. It. I'm thinking of the other fat, like. I'm I mean, thinking like, the other fat white guy who I think, looks like his I mean, jowls like, are flopping in the wind. You got, you got Churchill. You got Hitchcock and you got G.K. Chesterton. I feel like they all kind of fit like the same part so, of which like, yeah, they're, they're the same figure. guy. They're, they're the all under guy. the same like they're yeah. under the same jurisdiction. They're essentially all human versions of like Droopy the dog. Yeah, they are. I mean, like I don't know, it's some sort of British phenotype, I guess. Um, yeah. They're just like you know, and they all are just smoking their pipes and whatever. Uh, and, talking like, about like weed. talking and, about like, like how black people are inferior or some shit yeah that's what yeah. they do um, <laughs> not yeah. i don't i think i don't think chesterton did that too much yeah. I think hitchcock, churchill did that a lot though we don't know I'm too much sure. with hitchcock's views on race uh we know he did not like coughs though yeah i mean chesterton yeah yeah my favorite I mean, quote, quote by gk chesterton was when he said i like to smoke crack 
Yeah, I remember when he said that. That was cool. That was the orthodoxy, thing. right? Yeah, that was the orthodoxy. See, the scariest thing about Alfred Hitchcock is his willingness to just lock people in rooms with birds. I think that leads to like a greater psychological like dis like disruption. <sighs> Jackal, I'm seeing the titles you're putting in the in the, in the channel. Yeah, I'm losing it. Like, okay. just how willing do you be to put, like, I'm just like, dude, hey, listen, we gotta get into character. I'm not gonna talk to you, I'm just gonna put you in a closet with some birds. Oh, God. <laughs> Phil, you have to keep in mind that Hitchcock was not doing this to get people into character. He was doing this because he liked to fuck with people. That's really yeah. what I No, have you, have you ever heard, no, Alfred Hitchcock loved to fuck with people. Did you ever hear the story about, like, how he, like... He got like he tricked one of his crew members into like staying on a set overnight. Yes, I think I told this hey, story. Hey, hey, wait. This is all content from the first episode of Mammoth. Oh, yeah, we're just yeah. cycling I now. Just cycling. No. I said it. Oh god. All right, let's let's just go. Let's finish the uh, adventures of Abraham Splinter Dick. Come on, yeah. guys. Um, Abraham Splinter Dick. Yeah. Dude, what's going on? We're, we're... This is the proto episode one. We're all just coming back. Yeah. All right, yeah. Um, so there's Austin Rowe, a tavern keeper in Setauket that acted as a courier for the culprit ring who traveled mm. to Manhattan with the excuse of buying supplies for his business. And then there was a local Setauket woman and Woodhull's neighbor, Anna Smith Strong, who is said to have aided in the spy ring's activities. Her husband, the local patriot judge, Seal uh, Strong, had been confined on the British prison ship HMS Jersey in 1788. And so she lived alone for much of the war. She reportedly used laundry on her clothesline to leave signals regarding Brewster's location for meetings with Woodhull. Hmm. Um, there was another fuck thing I remember about this. I think that, like, because they, they made a series about this. It's called Turn Washington Spies, and it's actually really good. Um, but I think they really kind of, you know, uh, made the spiring a little, you know, more cleaner and competent than it actually was. Because I believe that Abraham Woodhull at some point would just, like, stop relaying messages to Talmadge and stuff. And, like, Talmadge would be like, what the fuck? Why aren't you, why aren't you giving, like, messages to Brewster? And, like, uh, Woodhull would be like, look, I I'm a farmer. And, like, I'm also trying to study to become a magistrate. And uh, that doesn't come cheap, uh, Ben. So uh, give me some more money. And so this would be a back and forth between them for a while. Uh... <laughs> yeah. Um... That's your fun fact. Uh... I like fun facts. Yeah. Despite some... Opposed to the unfun facts, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, dude, I, I would do the same thing. I would hold back information if I could get more cash out of it. Of course. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, owning the Brit Brits is definitely, like, a, a tempting thing. But, like, you know. But you gotta get paid. Economy. Yeah, you gotta get paid. <laughs> I mean, like, if you could get double for owning the Brits, come on. Like, um, look, it, I need, like, when, you know, it, it all said and done, you do need to eat at the end of the day. So cough up some money. Right. Um, so, I'll read the rest of this. Uh, despite some strained relations within the group and constant pressure from Washington to receive 
some more information. The couple firing achieved more than any other American or British intelligence network during the, the war. The information collected and passed on by the ring from 1778 to war's end in 1783 concerned key British troop movements, fortifications, and plans in New York uh, and the surrounding region. Uh, the group's greatest achievement came in 1780 when it uncovered British plans to ambush the newly arrived French army in Rhode Island. Mm -hmm. uh, without the spirings warning to Washington, the Franco-American alliance may well have been damaged or destroyed by this surprise attack. Mm -hmm. um, the Culper spiring has also been credited for uncovering information involving the treasonous correspondence between Benedict Arnold, another local hero from Connecticut, quote unquote, yep. and uh, John Andre. <laughs> hero, of course. Yeah, yeah, of course. Uh, John Andre, chief intelligent. Um, I almost, sorry, Chief Intelligent Officer under General Henry Clinton, commander of the British forces in New York, who were conspiring to give British control over the army fort at West Point. Major Andre was captured and hung as a spy in 1780 on Washington's order. Funny thing about Benedict Arnold, because he is from Connecticut, and I have read that like annually for his birthday in his hometown, they like burn an effigy of him. That's awesome. Oh, that's yeah. great. <laughs> See, yeah, that's, that, that has big New Jersey energy. Yeah, that's has like, New Jersey energy. It's... Yeah. I don't know. I New think, Jersey like, some... doesn't have heroes. It has, like, tenements. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's just, like, the craziest thing about Connecticut. I guess, like, you know, Connecticut has a little bit of Jersey. I, there's, there's Jersey in all the tri-states. Listen, we're just, we're just omnipresent and horribly incestuous. I'm yeah. not sure if we, I think we just call this a, a lot of Italians went to the Tri-State area. That's true. That's also true. <laughs> are you telling me that we are predominantly Italian state? Yeah. I mean, all three. Are you states. telling me that? Yeah. Well, it, it's right. it's uh, great because like in, in Connecticut, you have a simultaneous New England culture and Tri-State culture. So like we can hate both New York and New Jersey and then also hate Massachusetts and Rhode Island. By the way. <laughs> The guy you mentioned, whose last name was Clinton, I have to, I have to, I have to ask: Did he do a Benghazi? Oh yeah, was is he also I, on the the Epstein flight logs? Oh, or? I'm sure he was. Um, I actually had to pause because I saw Henry Clinton and I thought it said Hillary Clinton for like two seconds. They just, why I they just there. have this like Epstein just invites a corpse on the like on the plane. Yeah, <laughs> I'm like, is, I'm like, is not too dissimilar to his regular clientele. Yeah. yeah. How much are you willing to bet that like Henry Clinton and Hillary Clinton are related? Oh, Probably. certainly. Yeah. Yeah. Or at least Bill Clinton. One of the Clintons. Billy Boy. Well, Billy Boy Clinton. So so we uh we have about technically six minutes left to before we hit the, the mark of where we were gonna try to end. Right, Jackal, do your craft. Jackal, first. do you think you could do this? Oh god. All right. <clears throat> six minutes okay. on the clock, Jackal. Six minutes. Okay, so when it comes to art history, it's kind of a passion of mine, um, especially when it comes to the intersection of African-American art and specifically mm -hmm. within, within African-American art. I'm interested within the idea of depiction and the power of depiction that the African-American artist has within their own work. Um, I wrote a whole paper about this for, uh, for my class, and through that, I 
had to research in depth about a very specific artist, um, Henry Osawa Turner. Uh, not Turner, Tanner, sorry. Uh, Henry Osawa Tanner was a African-American artist who is famous for basically being like one of like the first African-American artists who gained international acclaim. Yeah. Uh, he was a, uh, a black man who was born in post-Reconstruction United States in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. His parents were from the South. His father was a minister. His mom was a former slave who was also a homemaker. Uh, but both were incredibly intelligent and very passionate about politics. And they passed this on to uh, Henry. And Henry, for his entire life, was extremely agitated by the presence of of racism because uh, obviously but also he is very upset about how black people were depicted within uh within art by white people and particularly mm. in minstrel shows um depicting uh the african-american as a comical caricature of what they were um and this bothered him to such an extent that he went on to produce a painting called the banjo player which was to directly subvert the ideas of basically to subvert the caricature that white people had created about black people saying that no we have a humanity too um right but that's not the painting that i want to talk about the painting i want to talk about is uh another painting of his that is particularly famous um tanner is kind of known for three things mainly he did genre paintings which genre paintings are when you're depicting um you're depicting average life in some kind of aesthetic way um biblical paintings and then landscape paintings hmm. so one of his most famous paintings is this one which is of jesus and nicodemus taken um from his uh his travels through uh jerusalem in uh if i have to check it was sometime sometime in like 1890 something that he went to jerusalem mm -hmm. and uh, he went to Jerusalem. Uh, he, I think, he even traveled to Bethlehem. Um, he talked about on how, like, how it, how much of a spiritual experience it was to be in uh, in this place and walk the steps that Jesus did. Um, yeah. And he particularly uh, was interested in trying to show the humanity of biblical figures and not. Uh, and not to glorify them in the way that European art had did, but to show them in a more, you could say, realistic uh, way. And you can see this in the painting of, uh, of Jesus and Nicodemus. Um, there's, it's a very grounded painting in how it's, uh, it's portrayed. So I'm going to, um, I'm going to ask, uh, I'm, I'm going to ask everyone here to kind of, uh, Describe kind of what they see here. So we'll go in uh, in order of uh, of of how I of basically what I'm thinking of. Uh, Josiah, go first. Let me see. Um. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot more of the simplistic kind of um, look, like they're not glorified in the same way, like you mentioned. Um, it looks really conversational. There's uh nicodemus is like the old guy with the white beard i'm assuming um he's he's they're they're both not white i think that's probably pretty notable or not at least not very like distinctly white and like the way europeans are um 
and it looks like Jesus is kind of like explaining stuff to him. It feels like a conversation. It's also got kind of a nice moody lighting because um, it's like it looks like evening or something or night. Yeah, that's um, you. You kind of uh, just crossed into the point that I was going to make about this was that in all of uh, Tanner's uh, paintings, biblical paintings, he never depicts his subjects as white. He always takes very care- careful aim to not utilize uh, like Eurocentric features. All of his figures have in in these paintings have tan skin. Um, they have like uh, like Middle Eastern features. They don't look white, mm-hmm. um, and you see this on like you see this with Nicodemus. Um, but also, I, I want to turn your attention to Jesus specifically. There, you kind of notice that Jesus is very notably not white. Yeah, and yeah. what kind of spurred my interest on this painting is that I was reading a source for my paper that kind of that it disagreed with the with the presentation that uh, that. Tanner was making a political statement here by depicting Jesus as not white. Um, mm-hmm. Because, uh, basically, because Tanner was not depicting him as black, um, then that means that he, this was not a explicitly political statement um, that he was mm-hmm. making. However, I've, I've come to disagree with that opinion in the textbook because I can't help but think that for someone who spent his entire life incredibly um, upset with how people of color are depicted by white society. I can't help but think that Tanner was thinking about yeah. that when he was doing this. Yeah, that, um, yes. that, that, that makes sense. <laughs> like, if if we want to compare like other paintings of Jesus uh, at this time, they're all like all that were generally going to depict Jesus as as sort of like the stereotypical uh, fair skinned Jesus. Yeah. This is notable because it it doesn't do that. And something that that uh that that article that I was reading did not take note was that if you notice on the uh it's it's slight but I think it's purposeful is that Nicodemus is shrouded in shadow, but Jesus has like obviously Jesus has sort of like the light gleaming onto him, which has yeah, obviously religious... that was what I was gonna actually. Just I was gonna mention on. that because yeah. I was gonna mention that like Nicodemus's fate like. I, this is like stupid, but like from a filmmaking perspective, it's almost like Nicodemus is out of focus while Jesus is in focus. Yeah. Like Nicodemus's features are less defined. You can see it in his face. Like this his also... eyes aren't kind of clearly shown. Like only yeah. his profile is shown. And you can't really see distinctly his eyes, rather like the space where you would assume like leads to his eyes. That's the best way I could describe it without like somebody seeing the painting. Yeah. I mean, this is also a very quiet painting, I think as well. But like Um, specifically, uh, uh, well, yeah, I mean, go ahead, Phil. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was just going to say specifically, it feels like obviously the light source is coming from the left. I think I would say it's coming from the left. But uh, yeah. to me, it it almost looks like they're inti- like like Jesus. Obviously, compositionally, if you're going by like the rule of thirds, he both like line up where they would like in the painting. But like Jesus's face is literally like like literally at one of like the intersection points. Well, yeah, I mean, like the you know um, something that draws warm... your eye naturally to it. Yeah, yeah. well, because he uses warm colors instead of cool colors, he uses. Yeah. 
And so, like, your your eye is naturally drawn to the warm, warm colors. Because, like, they're emphasized by the cool colors. Especially, like, Wow, guys, they... we're doing an art criticism. Yeah. Also, I would, uh, I just went to the, to one of the articles I use as a source, um, for this. And, uh, something to note about this is that, uh, Tanner was in uh, Jerusalem for six months when he was doing this painting. And he used the local people in Jerusalem as models and figures for the painting. Not that mm. no one, the, no, he didn't use anyone explicitly to model the figures here, but he did use them as kind of like a, a jumping off point and as sort of people to pose for the composition. Yeah. Did he only do this painting while he was in Jerusalem or did he do a few? Uh, I know that he, this he did this particular painting in Jerusalem. I think he did some others. I, there's another famous painting, the uh, of of Mary receiving um, the uh, the Annunciation, but uh, I don't know if he did that one in Jerusalem. Hmm. Um, that one's famous for it. It depicts angels as not like humanoid. It depicts them as like glaring beams of light that uh, right. sort of contrast with. That he he kind of uses that to contrast with how he depicts Mary, which is not in a, not in uh, again not a European figure. Um, uh, she looks like a Middle yeah. Eastern woman. Um, and something notable about that is that there's, in all of his work, uh, n there's no halos present. There's none of these sort of typical symbols of of holiness used in in his uh, his holy biblical figures. He's using um. He's he's using subtle imagery to draw that to you, um, and for you to kind yeah. of get the idea of like who they are. Um, right. And I was going to bring up like the light source thing. If you the source that I was reading about this uh, said that typically in um in uh in art that will depict uh, figures as not white, they will draw attention to to it, and that here. Tanner was not drawing attention to Jesus being not white. But if you look at the image, I can't help but see that like Tanner is explicitly like depicting like he's explicitly showing the light gleaming off of Jesus's face and we can see that it's not it's a darker complexion than even Nicodemus. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well that's also a result of like the contrast from the light like if this was a physical space Obviously. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think I, mean, all... I think you're right, Jackal. Yeah, I mean, that is a very interesting observation. Which yeah. I think you're right about. That is cool. Yeah. I, uh, this is a really good painting. Um, I was I really glad to... I was really glad to, to find it um, from... Uh, I, actually, you know, I'll, I'll close this off with a... With a um, I'll close this off with a, with a thing I wrote um about about this for my paper uh so the quote that i was using um that said the opposite of basically what i think uh was while darker than most depictions of the savior tanner's jesus here lacks conventional ethno uh ethnographic signifiers of blackness shadows and conflicting light sources seem deliberately uh calculated to obfuscate christ's appearance i agree with this to an extent uh, with O'Marley. However, I believe it is very clear that while perhaps not explicitly black, 
Tender's Jesus is most certainly not white. As a slight, as a slight uh, glimmer of light shimmers off his face, reveals drastically non-European facial features, such as coarse curly hair, uh, a non-European nose, uh, dark skin, etc. Additionally, I do not believe that one can or indeed should ignore an African-American artist whose body of work consists of notable examples of subversive commentaries on how white society views and treats non-white bodies, displaying one of the most consequential religious and historical figures as a distinctly non-white individual. Hmm. Hey, so. that's pretty good. That's pretty good. Oh, shit, another one of our recording things just failed. Wait. This that's is a, good. I think, I think, no, that's uh, just we're good. No, 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 no. In you case, or the other thing. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, that if Craig fails, then on we cast or goes out too. Oh, so I we're see. Good. I see. See, this so, is, but anyway, this, you can call this episode title Boomer Finch. Oh. Boomer um. Finch. <laughs> but, okay. Yeah, so I don't know if that made any sense, but I've been thinking about this stuff a lot. Yeah. yeah I mean, and like, that's I, really that... fascinating, Jackal. That is very Honestly. good art criticisms. Yeah. I, we, yeah, we should do some more like art history stuff. In the we future, should, because like I, well, I gotta do some film history then. Mm. Yeah, I guess I gotta do history. Which history. means I have to talk about the birth of a nation. Oh no, that's good. Yeah, we're gonna talk about that. Mm. Well, I that, think we should probably yeah. sign off here in a second. What do you think? Phil? Yeah, I think it's uh, about it. Yeah. Hey, better, better, we had a great time in Mammonburg. You see, great time in Mammonburg. We sold some people, did some stuff. Ho, boy, Nelly. Mm-hmm. So, everybody, I'd like to sign us off on the Ye Olden Mammonburg Podcast. Mammonburg Podcast, add it to the law. Add it to the law. Phil is homophobic. Add it to the law. Add it to the law, yep. folks. Yep, yep, yep. He hates himself that much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You hate no. yourself so much you're homophobic. Yeah. Exactly, Jackal. So let's let's sign off. What what does everyone have to say for themselves before they're driving out of Mammonburg, before they're leaving this goddamn place, being sold off to some sort of uh, begrudging sex slavery? What are we gonna do? <laughs> Who's gonna say it? What's gonna happen? Alright, let's start with Finch. Hey everybody. If you're looking for a good time online, you can follow my Twitter account at Finchawar. Hope to see you there. Oh my god. Oh my god. Holy shit. And and we've got Josiah. Hey, yeah, you can follow me at Josiah W. Sutton um, for a bad time. And we've got Jack Howell. I definitely will not plan a slave revolt. Uh, I definitely won't do that. I promise you, I will be the most compliant of house slaves. I promise I'm not going to lead a slave you, revolt. You've never even heard of Haiti. Never. I don't even know what a Haiti is. And I have been Phil. I'm a Wait, horrible I didn't racist. Plug. I didn't Good night, everybody. Jack, Jack <laughs> no, Twitter. My sign out was going to be me calling myself a racist fucklord and then just like not plugging my Twitter. I mean, you just silenced a black man, so I mean, like, yeah, yeah it does seem you pretty kind weird. of are. <laughs> My actions speak so loudly. Jackal, where can Jesus they find Christ, you? Christ, you might as well just call yourself Woodrow Wilson by this point. <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, God. Jackal, My favorite you? movie is the one about the clan. Being Where's the button? Where's the button? Find... 
You can follow me at Jekyll Jester on Twitter.com. Yeah, yeah. You can look at my garbage. I'm sorry. <laughs> and I've good been... garbage. Uh, Philip, you can find me in drunk in your local dumpster, folks. Good night, everybody. <laughs> follow all of us, and you can watch me and Jackal call each other simps over Eastern My Twitter Europeans. has been at Cryptid Director, and uh, I just want to say you're all justified in hating me. Oh, that's sad. That's so sad. <laughs> and, and, okay. and on that note, we're done.